What's up and welcome to the Tim Vaxelbaum Show. This is episode 55 of the program. I am very happy to be coming to y'all this afternoon. Technically, it's actually noon. It's not even afternoon. It's 11.57 a.m. on December 5th. First, it's a very good December so far because the stock market's up, crypto is up a little bit, but we don't, we're kind of not really talking about crypto anymore. On like, we'll still talk about it, but like crypto, we're kind of trying to move away from that image of like being somebody into crypto because it has a bad reputation. Sam Bankman motherfucking freed holy crap was that guy i'm actually kind of surprised that his thing turned out to be a total like scam i don't know if can he sue me for saying that probably not it was his fuck it was a fucking scam uh he was using customer funds to try to do i don't really understand what was going on with that exchange because i kind of have like a uh my gut told me that Something was going on that sounded a little bit fishy with that particular exchange. Like, I don't know. I'm just going by what my gut told me is that they uh, they gave away, like, yields to their clientele. They gave you, like, you know, interest. I actually don't know. I, I, that's just what I th- thought I heard or something. Because all those fucking things that pay interest on your crypto... They all pretty much turned out to be uh, fucking Ponzi schemes like Celsius. That's one that I actually used because it's like, hey, I could earn like up to like 10% interest a year on a bunch of different coins. And then they kept lowering the interest. It's like, come on, there's something going on there. So I pull out my I pulled out all the money from Celsius right before they closed out people's ability to withdraw so i've dodged a fucking bullet and we're talking about six figures so not like a small amount of money that i didn't care about i'm not that rich six figures is a shitload of money to me so i'm very i got lucky so far in my life with crypto you know crypto will make you battle tested against any marketplace it just if you could survive crypto you're going to be war torn you're going to be like very experienced in uh the finance i don't know i don't really know if you really learn anything from crypto other than that maybe if it sounds too good to be true it probably is i mean i'm somebody who actually started a business in the cryptocurrency field i didn't just invest i didn't make any money from investing my own money so now i sound like a fucking sam no um i ran a legitimate business as crazy as that sounds especially the way i talk about things it's like really you ran a legit business yeah i actually ran a legitimate business in the crypto world and that's rare nobody has a legitimate business in crypto so i mean that's a pretty true thing to say. That, like the only things that are legitimate in crypto are people that sell pickaxes. So what does that mean? It means people that have a business that just helps you get information 
about crypto, like a tool that tells you like, okay, here's a nice little algorithm to show you which coins are undervalued based on some research that our system does. That's like an example of a business that I had or a business idea that I almost tried to do, but I gave up on it for some reason, even though it was a very good idea. It was called CryptoEval.com, and it was just an algorithm that I designed 100% myself to just tell you it gave you it calculated a score like an index like a here's here's the score to tell you how overvalued or undervalued any crypto would is at the at any given time at the precise moment and it would tell you okay dogecoin is a thousand percent undervalued according to our proprietary insight and it was pretty accurate it was correct. It was like, yeah, Dogecoin is pretty undervalued back in 2018. And other people have done this since then. They do it. There's some companies here in Austin that do that, that job pretty well. They tell you and they charge money for it, like a subscription or something. And that's a pretty good business model because it doesn't rely on actual money moving around. It's not an exchange. It doesn't involve wallets, which is a nightmare. It doesn't ask for investments as in crypto. You, it, it's just a simple service. So those would be the types of services in crypto land that I would actually be like, okay, that's fine. But even then, I would still be skeptical of their behind-the-scenes business model to make sure because i'm very skeptical these days and i'm somebody who actually did that did a business successfully and i don't do it anymore because of the reasons i kind of already talked about crypto is a very like non-safe industry like so i'm distancing myself from it but that doesn't mean I'm, i'm selling my my holdings until the time is right and you know Usually you kind of know when to sell. It's when there's a huge surge in the price. But here's a little tip. You don't ever sell your whole bag of crypto. You just don't. There's always exceptions to that rule. Like if it's a shit coin and the the project is clearly going underwater, then yeah, you try to pull out 99% of your investment or maybe 90% because you never know. But most of the time, those projects that die, yeah, they're gone forever. And they make a fork. Sometimes, very often, they go, oh, we fucked up. We got to redo it. We got to roll out the entire blockchain again. So, And that's a very nauseating process. So if you don't follow the project, you're going to miss out on the, the swap and... That's not good. So it takes a lot of active following of the communities. And then if you do that, sometimes you can make a shitload of money. Like in the case of Shiba Inu, somebody made like $6 billion from a, I believe, $6,000 they invested, of like about $10,000 at the most. Or maybe, tw- yeah, some, who cares? 20, I think. 20,000 is, is what I think this person invested to to make 6 billion dollars in less than a year 
So that's like the most successful and single investment of all time. And so, yes, it's possible to become extremely wealthy from crypto. But that comes with, obviously, the, the downside of you're probably going to lose it, too. Most people are going to lose it. So anyway, it's not the time to sell, but stocks are up. So that's why I'm in a good mood. And I just had a good night. I just had a fun, a very reaffirming night last night. And I was dressed up the waz. I was like dressed to the nines. Uh, I'm, I'm getting pretty stylistic with my clothing. Right now, I'm wearing nothing. I'm back to being like low key. This is, I'm Tim Weichselbaum right now. I decided that if I'm doing this podcast as Tim Weichselbaum, I'm not really going to dress extravagantly anymore because that's what Timmy Gusto, that's his thing. I don't want to fucking tread on his water. Uh, so yeah, this is how I dress. Timmy Tim Weichselbaum is punctual. He doesn't dress to impress. He just tries to do the job. Timmy Gusto is a freaking crazy person. He can't, well, he has, he's not, yeah, I'm not trying to be a dick, but like, he's crazy. Like, he dresses insanely overabundant, like, more than, you don't have to wear, like, socks, like, designer socks. Nobody's gonna know that you're doing that. Or, like, a designer underwear, really? Like, but anyway. I was I had a really good night last night and uh I just found out that I'm into scarf like I look good. I look fucking awesome in scarves. Timmy Gusto looks awesome in scarves. I'm the same person as him, so I don't have to keep fucking changing the name. You know who I'm talking about myself. I'm Timmy Gusto as well. It's my comedy name. It's my stage name. It's it's uh it's a good stage name. I'm I'm starting to like it because the way I say it is fun. Timmy Gusto. So it is fun. I'm starting to like it. Um scarf so i'm starting I, I wore a scarf last night and i was like holy fuck this just makes me feel so fucking important wearing a fucking scarf and i felt like a rabbi so you have the this fucking droopy wool thing just hanging to the ground almost and you just you just feel more powerful so i'm i'm that's gonna cost a lot of money you know i gotta increase my clothing budget for this winter alone is going to cost me a lot of money i mean i buy things like that hoodie i wore on the last episode that's just a hoodie and it's going to go out of style and people notice it because it's so loud so i can only you know i don't want to wear it for like a year it's only pretty much for this season and spring when it gets warm that's when it's gone you know, so that, that's like a real, that's like a $500 hoodie. I got it for a little bit off. I got it for a discount because who, who would buy that? It's a child size hoodie. There's not that many rich people who buy their kids $500 hoodies. So it, it goes on sale pretty often. So that's one of the benefits of being a short man. They don't really tell you about this in school or in society, like in, uh, the dating world, they don't tell you any of the benefits of being a short man, and there's actually like a shitload of them. You fit through narrow pathways easier. You don't have to say like, excuse me, if somebody's like 
blocking the way and they're in a conversation. You don't feel like bothering them. You could literally you could just slide right through. You don't fall over as much because your center of gravity is way closer to the ground. So the odds of me losing my balance are like next to nothing. So it's pretty awesome. And what else? I don't know. I'm going to live forever. Uh, like the only downsides of being short are you can't really protect other people in a fight. You could walk women to their car still. Like, you know, that helps to at least have somebody there. But that's why it's unattractive. Like, okay, you're going to walk me to my car? It's like, thank you, I guess. Uh, I'd rather have somebody else. But yeah, that's the downside of, like, who the fuck wants to do, who wants to fuck a short dude? There's fetishes for it. Like, some people are into it. Some women are into short men. Uh, but most of them, they're, uh, they look past it sometimes, but like, nobody wants that. It's not hot to have like a dude, like a short, whatever. But I like it. it at being one, being short, there's really no benefit, no downsides. But for other people, they definitely look at me as like a lesser being. They look at me as like a child, which sometimes I don't, I get annoyed intellectually if somebody thinks i'm like too dumb to have a, an opinion on something just because i look young it's like well that's not true i actually am in my mid-30s so i kind of have enough a life experience where yeah i do have some pretty you know real opinions that are actually like based on truth and like i'm actually pretty damn mature smart and smartness should be like recognized i think because who the fuck built society this is like smart people that's who invented everything that we like and use and like it should be put on a pedestal like if not intelligence yeah there's other things we could we celebrate like athleticism but and art, but like, come on, man, like, intelligence is, is like the most important thing for the world's survival and making the world a better place. So I'm not really ashamed of like my intelligence. The only reason to be ashamed of it is because other people don't have it, and you kind of you feel like an elitist when you point out that, hey, I'm kind of smarter than you on every subject in the world. Like I, like all-encompassing. <laughs> I have more intelligence than you on pretty much everything. Even subjects that you studied in school, I naturally can just figure it out. Anyway, so that's why you don't talk about it, because you look like a fucking jerk. But it's true. Some people are way smarter than other people, and why not give them credit where credit is due. I mean, there's people smarter than me. I don't fucking meet them very often, but they're out there. Nah, I was fucking kidding. There's very smart people that I come across every day. Anyway, let's do an update on sleep apnea. I just got diagnosed with uh, sleep apnea a couple, like, yeah, a couple days ago. It's a mild case, which makes sense because it's not like I'm waking up gasping for air. I would have known if I was like really suffering from a severe case. So it's mild, but it's 
diagnosed. I have it. So I got a I ordered a fucking machine. I ordered one of those CPAPs. The thing is, I got this shit diagnosed through a private company just I just googled sleep apnea and the first, you know, there's ads that come up say, "Hey, yeah, if you think you have sleep apnea, just use our service and we'll send you a one-time use device for about it was about $200." And that got me the diagnosis. So that's a pretty decent deal. It's not covered by insurance, so it's out of pocket. And that's the thing that goes along with the uh, with getting the CPAP is I did not get a uh, insurance. Insurance is not involved in this process because I didn't go through my primary care to get this diagnosis. And, but the thing is, it's it has to do with also how patient I am. Because I do have an appointment with, with an actual specialist. And I could show them the diagnosis and they will probably take it. And be like, okay, yeah. And then prescribe me the CPAP. But that's a month out. So I don't have that kind of time to wait f for something that I'm, that I'm suffering from. And, you know, I have enough money to spare where I'm lucky and I'm fortunate enough where i could just buy the thing and it's not going to completely deplete my bank account i mean you know i spend a lot of money just on child designer clothing so yeah i could afford a, the, the machine um but anyway so yeah sleep apnea it's it's it sucks i wake up with a, a headache and it lasts for hours and hours so i can't just get out of bed and get going with my day i have to lie in bed and it, it, that's the part that sucks about it is that I'm not tired enough to sleep, but I'm also too tired to do literally anything else besides lie in bed, read Reddit. Reading Reddit is not healthy for your brain. It's not healthy for your mental well-being because so many people on there, all, the, the whole reason for that, that platform is to complain about society and to, to just to talk shit and judge and nitpick you know it's good for information it's really good if you have a problem and you want to find out if other people have the same problem as you you'll definitely learn a lot about yourself so it's really good it's a good resource for self-improvement so I, I like reddit but you're that's where you go if you want to find out the worst thing about somebody you just can dig up dirt on somebody because people are very opinionated on there. Same with YouTube, but I like YouTube better because YouTube is way dumber than Reddit. The average YouTuber, way dumber than the average Redditor to this day. Even though Reddit is a very popular platform at this point now. You know? But still, people on YouTube, like I just look at them as children. They're very easy to like talk down and like make them go away but redditors are fucking stalkers creepy fucking stalkers okay so we covered that sleep apnea yeah and we're gonna get it fixed i'll do another update once i get on the uh, machine that'll be interesting sleeping with a freaking like darth vader like you know, <sighs> like that thing is gonna be pumping oxygen into my mouth and or nose mouth i don't really know how it works i just know i bought the thing as soon as i could 
because I just kind of want to get it fixed. Anyway, and also melatonin had a problem. I take melatonin to get to sleep. It actually works very well if you only take 300 micrograms. If you take more than that, it might not work. It might actually give you insomnia. I learned that from Reddit. You only need 300 micrograms of melatonin, and it'll fucking knock you out. And But the problem is it... it it makes me very groggy the next day, and it lasts almost the entire day. So I'm not taking that unless I absolutely have to anymore. Okay, let's do another update. Let's get through all the boring shit. Uh, I'm ADHD update, Adderall. So I'm still kind of in the honeymoon phase of Adderall because it's fucking awesome. And I'm just talking about the medical benefits, not like the recreational benefits. I don't take it recreationally. I'm very, I have a very hardline stance against taking Adderall or any stimulant like that. that that's powerful enough. The powerful stimulants. I don't take those recreationally. I think that's very dangerous and a bad habit. It's not good to do that, but it has benefits if you actually are using it for the proper reason that it's designed for, and that is uh, ADHD is one of the reasons you'd use as pretty much the most effective treatment for ADHD. So it fucking works, and I still take a very small amount, like five milligrams a day, so... Yeah, I have a lot lying around the house, so that's a good thing to say on the internet. You could just break in and whatever. I keep it in a safe, so that's... Oh, now, now I just told people that I have a fucking safe. So, um, that was smart. I'm just doxing myself. Anyway, I'll just give you my address. No. I don't know, man. Yeah, it's scary, man. That's the thing that's scary about like being a public entity or being a trying to be a public figure is like... That's going to not be fun when people actually like start actually stalking me and like but you got to take the good with the bad. I mean, it's kind of what I'm asking for by putting my face and name on the internet uh so you got to have security in mind. You got to have like it's expensive to have that. So Joe Rogan I mean, he's not I mean, any famous comedian should definitely have bodyguards. I mean, that's not even a crazy thing to do, even if you're not that famous. Even if you're just me, I need bodyguards because of the insanely controversial things that I say and believe. <laughs> like, I'm dangerous to some people. Some people consider me like an enemy of the state, which is fucking anti-American, to to think that that's like a very fascist thing to say or think which we talked about on the last episode fascism i'm the type of podcaster who talks about things from both sides of the issue i don't just go okay no that's bad fascism is bad or what else or vaccines they're only good. They're all good for everybody. Everybody in the whole world has to take the same thing. Yeah, that's not how medicine works. Medicine is not a one size fit all. It's just not how that works. Like I was saying with uh, melatonin, Adderall, any fucking drug 
is not the same for everybody. You get, so you got to modulate. The only point I make with the vaccines is and and how it relates to fascism is if you're trying to demonize people for not taking it, you're the demon actually because not everybody needed to take it. I mean, I hate to keep harping on this, but like it's true. You can't really deny that everybody needed didn't need to take i didn't need to fucking take it you might argue oh you you should have yeah okay you survived you didn't die which they are probably up unhappy about to be well fuck he okay that would have been nice if you did die because we wouldn't have to have this discussion like sorry but yeah i didn't fucking die that's the first thing that's what some people said they were like because i told them I, I wasn't getting the vaccine and they would just be like Oh, so you want to die? It's like, yeah, yeah, sure, uh, sure, because I want to die. Um, so I, I knew that I wasn't going to fucking die, probably, so I already had COVID. So before the vaccines even came out, I already had COVID. So I didn't fucking, I wasn't in a hurry to get the fucking vaccine after having COVID. It's like, and so it turned out, yeah, I didn't need it. Maybe someday I'll need a, some sort of RNA vaccine, but not right now. I mean information changes all the fucking time so you got to keep doing your own research the only point i'm making is that clearly not everybody needed it so you probably should rethink the whole like demonizing people for that for just being a little bit hesitant uh and having people have to prove that they're good enough to be on a plane i mean okay i understand Spreading it to other people is the other part of the equation. But what if you don't go anywhere? What if you just stayed home the entire year? Well, then yes. In that case, there's no shame in not getting the vaccines. And that was me. I didn't go anywhere. In all of 2021, I didn't really go anywhere. In the times I did go out, Everybody else already had COVID or was vaccinated and still got COVID. So it didn't really stop the spread. So I feel like I'm kind of right that not 100% of the population needed it. So that's all I'm saying. Just don't be absolutist about things. Not everything is black and white. That doesn't mean I'm an anti-vaxxer. I'm very pro-immunization, whatever that might be. Whatever the most effective risk a low-risk way to immunize yourself against something. And uh, getting COVID is the number one most effective <laughs> immunization against COVID. Obviously, it's simple logic. So anyway, I'm just trying to demonstrate that even though I put out these ridiculous clips that sh that make me look like an insane person, that's obviously just to get views. <laughs> And I'm, I actually, I actually, I'm a little bit more thought out when I actually talk about this. Like, in, you know, I'm actually like a pretty reasonable person. But yeah, I put out the funniest, most triggering parts of the podcast to get views. And so far, I have not gotten banned from anything. I haven't gotten any videos censored yet from any platform, which I'm pretty happy. That's a good. That's a good sign that. I don't know. I'm just not popular enough to get banned yet. Once I get popular, of course, that's going to happen. I mean, you got to be prepared for this shit. You can't just be like fucking Andrew Tate 
and just go back like once you get called out for something in the past that you'd said you can't just be like oh i didn't know i didn't know i was going to be famous when i said that it's like okay then why'd you say it i mean if it wasn't true it shouldn't matter how famous you are you should have principles that you stick with regardless of your fame i don't know that's just something to think about so we talked about adhd i think and i'm I'm still in the honeymoon phase in the sense that I'm still experiencing a lot of positive effects. Not quite euphoria. I'm not really getting much euphoria anymore, but I I still get that relaxation. And it's very easy to tell when it's working because of my driving skills and how confident and at ease I am around other people i don't get stressed nearly as often when i'm around other people i still get irritated of course because people are irritating <laughs> regardless of what you're doing with yourself or what drugs you're on other people are still going to be very irritating even if you don't know it at the time it might take a couple hours for you to be like holy crap i can't believe i just let that guy be so obnoxious and i just took it like whatever sometimes that's all you could do because they're not going to learn so that's the adhd update and uh, you know that's enough on that subject so yeah i'm gonna die i might die in texas it's very it's pretty likely that i'll die here because i don't really leave here very often but also one thing I know is it's not going to be at a hospital in Texas. It might be at a hospital in another state. But if I die in Texas, it will be in some sort of freak accident or a murder or an assassination. It'll be a quick death. Because if it takes any longer than a minute, I'm getting medevaced to fucking Rhode Island or wherever the fuck johns hopkins is like a real hospital like the best of the best because i'm not too impressed with the uh texas medical system it's another thing i'm probably gonna get blacklisted from because uh, if you talk shit enough about doctors they have a list anyway of bad patients uh hard to work with patients that's me i'm very hard to work with as a patient not as an actor as an actor, I'm a fucking professional. But anyway, yeah, not impressed with the Texas medical system. And I don't really need to go into details. It has to do with sleep apnea. You know, getting diagnosed with sleep apnea takes like months and months. If you go through the medical system and there's waiting lists, it's like, okay, whatever. I get it. But you could just go online and there's doctors around the country that have systems of doing this in a much more efficient way cost-effective way and i'm very impressed by that uh and I'm, that makes me not impressed with a legacy medical system okay so let's move on to the next oh my secret is uh okay i guess this also relates to so i'm starting to find what combination of chemicals put me in the right mindset to be at my absolute best. This is a self-improvement podcast. So that's why we're talking about this. This is not drug abuse. This is a legitimate self-medicating 
regiment that I am tapping into. Nobody fucking is going to tell me to take mushrooms. No fucking doctor is going to be like, yeah, okay, take a little bit of Adderall and take 0.7 grams of mushrooms brewed as a tea. Take that 20 minutes. <laughs> take that right before you leave the house. And then by the time you get to wherever you're going, it'll hit. You'll be safe to drive. So this is something nobody would tell you to do this. Except for non except for people that don't have a medical degree and have nothing to lose. Because it is a good idea if you're very safe and, and, and you're doing it properly. So what I do... Not every day, but when I need to be at my absolute best, emotionally, creatively, socially, I take mushrooms and Adderall. I mean, Adderall I need to be on regardless, but it has a very synergistic effect with psychedelics, with mushrooms. I don't know about that. I'm not going to fuck with acid. I took acid like 15 years ago. And it almost killed me because I had to go to the ICU and they pumped me full of uh, sedatives. And I got very close to like my breathing being, had to be intubated. So I don't, I'm not going to fuck with acid. I learned a lot. I learned exactly what Bill Hicks talked about in one of his bits, positive drug news story where it just goes, oh, somebody took acid and they found out that there's no such thing as death. And that we're all the same thing, just experiencing itself subjectively. And here's John with the weather. So it's a great bid, and it's also 100% true to this day. So it's not just a comedy bit. It's also like, holy crap, that's like actually like exactly what acid tells you. If you reach the highest level of acid or LSD, what you learn is pretty much everybody learns the same thing. It's like, okay... There's no such thing as death. What does that mean? Okay, am I really going to spend more time on the, uh, Yeah, fuck it. So there's no such thing as death. What does that mean? It took me a long time to piece this together. Because when you're on the stuff, yeah, it's very, very palpable. But as soon as you become sober, you kind of... It's very hard to remember the fucking thing. It's elusive. That's what's so magical about psychedelics is that it's telling you something. They're telling you something that's absolutely true, unless you're psychotic. Sure, there's some things about it that could be purely based in psychosis. That's kind of what it is. But so what? There's still something going on. And what you learn on it, I believe, is uh, not subjective. It's actually true. You learn that we're all the same thing. Every person and animal on the planet that's conscious there's nothing unique about our particular individual consciousness or soul we don't have a like i hate this this is not this is controversial but souls are not we don't have souls there's no such thing as souls because once you die it all just goes right back to the pile of souls we're all the same soul just in a different glove, in a different finger of the same glove. The same hand is just putting its fingers in different finger holes, those being people. Each animal is a different 
part of the same hand. Um, and that's something I learned, and it's that made things. That's what pretty much what Nirvana. That's what got me to Nirvana, because once you find that out, you become at peace with the universe. Good and evil no longer really exist. It's like okay, there's good and there's bad, but like they're both important. You can't have good without the bad. So you you look at that and you go, okay, I I get it now. I'm no longer like you see the yin yang. It's like okay, there's dark, there's light, and that's what life is about. It's about riding the line and experiencing both. I don't fully understand every single thing about the universe, but that's one of the things I learned is that every single individual is not actually an individual. We're all just the same consciousness being projected into different bodies. So when you die, yeah, that person, your ego dies. It goes away. But you get recycled back because you, how could somebody die if we're all the same person? Um, so it's kind of hard to explain fully, but I think people will understand what I'm saying. Here's another example that kind of demonstrates this phenomenon. Um, we don't really fully understand consciousness, but one theory or one little thought experiment that I came up with is what would happen if somebody switched bodies? Like what if you not switch brains... Not take your brain. Yeah, switch brain. No, that is what I meant. What would happen if you switched bodies with another person? If your soul went into their brain. So you had their brain, not your brain. No surgery involved. Just literally, what would happen if, boom, you snap your fingers and I'm now in your body and you're in my body with the same brain that I have but you're now in my head. What would happen? Well, nothing. Nothing would happen because you'd be me. Just because your conscious changed bodies doesn't mean your anything else is different. You still you're gonna have the exact same thoughts that I have, and I'm gonna have the exact same thoughts that you have, and nothing's gonna change. I mean, right? Unless you believe in some form of spiritual difference between consciousness. But there isn't. Why would there be? The only thing that makes consciousness a thing is our brain. So if you're in somebody else's brain, you're them. There's not going to be a single difference that happens. You're not even going to notice that you even moved bodies. Why would you? I mean, your memory is not going to be their memory anymore. Isn't that crazy? Isn't that a cool thought? experiment and that's just my evidence to confirm that yeah we're all this consciousness is not special our brains are special that's what makes us unique not the gasoline going through it isn't that crazy so that's just something i found i thought about a few years ago and it's like yeah that's kind of true we're all the same it makes you less judgmental when you find this out it just gives you bliss because you're just like, okay, that guy is doing his thing. If I was him, I'd be doing the same fucking thing. 
It just makes you less judgmental towards anybody, no matter how bad of a person they are. And that gets pretty controversial, too, when you think about it, man. When you say, like, oh, what about Hitler? You saying Hitler wasn't a bad person? No, I'm not saying that. I'm saying that if you were him, you'd be a pretty good Hitler. You'd be just as good as the real Hitler. Okay, I think that puts a nice button on that. I don't know. It just makes it just gives you this feeling of nirvana, knowing that there's nothing to worry about af- even after you die, because you'll be fine. You, there is an afterlife. I can't. I don't understand that part of. I don't know what the afterlife is, but I know that there's some form of energy retention. Your consciousness goes away. But that doesn't mean you're gone, because we're all still here, baby, since the beginning of time. Anyway, that's that's enough about psychedelia. But I don't know. I just find it interesting to talk about because not everybody has reached that point of of nirvana or you know a breakthrough. Even if they take a lot of acid, they just don't have the sensitivity that I have to drugs to where I actually reach that. They don't always reach nirvana. They don't always break through. So why not talk about it? That's what it feels like. It feels amazing. So anyway, (laughs) but if I take a low dose of mushrooms and I take my medicine, Adderall, which is a prescribed medicine, yeah, I'm going to feel pretty fucking awesome in a multitude of ways. You know, you got to be physically healthy. You can't be like, you got to make sure that you don't have Physical health is the first... Yeah, so if, as long as you feel good already, the mushroom's going to make you feel even better. And it's going to put you in a creative mindset and an emotionally open mindset. But also, it puts you into this mindset where you can absorb other people's uh, signals and energy. And sometimes people will be putting out a negative energy. And if you're on mushrooms, you're going to very easily detect that and not want to be around them or you will be around them if they're nice if you know them and you could tell them hey you're putting off a very negative vibe and maybe you could help them get out of that vibe so it's a very powerful chemical for not just the person on it but for the people around them it it really makes you surgical when it comes to perceiving other people's emotions and so that's very valuable. I could help people. I could cheer people up a lot easier when I'm on shrooms because I could read them. I could be and I, I'm more selfless. And it's not that hard to cheer somebody up, like after they are going through a bad time or if they had a bad set that they're unhappy about. I could be like, "Yeah, don't worry. You, you didn't bomb. It's just that." the energy of what you were doing didn't match the energy of the room and you didn't override because the energy of the room was a bunch of other comics. They're not going to want to watch somebody just doing jokes, but it doesn't mean the jokes weren't good. So yeah, I don't know. And I could tell if somebody's funny with only about 10 seconds worth of watching them on stage. I could be like, okay, yeah, that guy's funny. It doesn't even matter what the audience is doing. It doesn't matter if they're fucking bombing I could tell based on their instincts, just based on how they handle it, if they're fucking funny. And not everybody has that fucking skill. It takes talent to see talent. And I had a very fun night last night.
in terms of comedy. It's, you know, like I, I had the right fucking mix of drugs. <laughs> uh, but I also, I it put me in the right mood to do real comedy. Like, not fake. Not fake bullshit when I was, where I was, like, doing an act. No, I was purely honest. I was very honest in my... In the set I did, I did, I did an open mic at like at like one a.m. and I went up there with like real confidence. Didn't do any jokes because that wouldn't have helped. That wouldn't have mattered. Like I did jokes, but they were not planned. They were all improvised, and that's why they worked because they were actually genuine jokes that were in the moment, not fucking like trying to. Uh, recapture the magic of when i did it another time no it's me actually talking from a place of purity and that's why people listened okay whatever i i I don't need to give more comedy tips on this episode i love talking about comedy but not right now I, i like talk about other stuff sometimes like i like coaching people on comedy i really do enjoy that almost more than doing comedy. i mean there's nothing more pleasurable than doing comedy it's pretty much the most it's better than any other fucking drug that i've done it's probably not as good as heroin but like yeah it's up there it's up there doing a good job at stand-up comedy is the most rewarding feeling in the world so I love doing it, and I'm going to try to actually make a name for myself in that field. I am trying to become a professional comedian at some point. Right now I'm starting with podcasting, and that feeds its way into other types of comedy. Like We already talked about this. If you're good at podcasting and if you have a successful podcast, you could fucking do stand-up in any city. Uh, so that's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to gain clout. And to gain clout, you could talk shit about other people like I did with Andrew Tate. I wasn't actually talking shit. I was just giving him some constructive feedback. See, that's another thing. I could tell the difference between constructive criticism and bad criticism that's like not to be taken seriously. I could just tell now if somebody actually understands what I'm doing here. Like if somebody tells me, oh, that sucks. You should stop doing that. Like, okay, that's not... I'm not going to listen, um, but if somebody says, like, oh, you should uh, change the angle of the lights so it doesn't highlight how pasty, how white your skin is, like, I would take that advice. Of course, I would take that advice. So there's ways to give people feedback that is not, like, hurtful or negative or pointless, <laughs> like, counterintuitive, like, I don't give people advice unless they specifically ask for it. I give people notes sometimes, but also only when it's positive usually. I don't fucking give people negative notes. I think somebody took one of my notes as negative last night, even though it was not at all. It was not negative. It was just me asking them if they enjoyed the show, kind of. It was like I could tell that they were kind of not ha- happy to be there. Like, they just didn't enjoy the environment of the show. Um, it was easy to tell. Every Audiences can tell when the comedian doesn't want to be there. So 
you might as well not hide it. Like, unless you're doing something super professional, like a TV show or something, you don't have to fucking pretend that you're having a good time. You know, you could do what comics are supposed to do, and that's to be honest with the audience and be like, you know what? I'm a comedian and everything like that. Like, I'm trying to make you guys laugh, but this show fucking sucks. And then just walk off stage. That's funny. There's, as long as you attack it with comedy, if you try to do it in a funny way, it'll actually be good. Even if you say this sucks and shit on the show, if you do it in a professional, funny way, you're not going to burn any bridges. And people will remember it and be like, that was a great show. The comic didn't like doing it, but that's what made it funny. So I was just talking about that with somebody last night, and I don't think they took it the right... I think they took it as, like, criticism, even though... No, I was just talking shop. I've been doing it for 10 years, longer than the person I'm talking about. So it's like, I'm not trying to criticize. I'm just talking shop. I don't know. I guess some people get used to only getting compliments that they perceive maybe a neutral note as negative when actually it's the opposite. I'm just trying to talk about it because I like, I you know, why not? So that's enough about that. Okay, here's another little quick tip. If you're in the entertainment industry and you often, you know, rub shoulders with other people in this same industry, if you're, if you are around other people that you don't quite know that well, like you're not super close with them, but you still have this mutual understanding of like, okay, yeah, we're both doing this comedy thing. Something I just learned is instead of just walking away from a from a conversation that ends, like when a conversation reaches a lull and it's kind of done, you don't have to just, you shouldn't just walk away because people don't, like that it hurts their feelings kind of because you were you're in something (laughs) you're doing something you're participating in a two-person uh thing a conversation so it's better to say something instead of just being like okay i'm done talking to you because they'll be like okay this is done talking like all you have to say is i'll be back (laughs) You just be like, oh, I gotta go to the bathroom. I gotta go. I'll be back. That's it. Just say that, even if it's not true. It's usually not true. You're not gonna always come back, but just say, I'll be back, and then they won't feel awkward. They won't feel like they you rejected them or whatever. I don't know. These little tiny tips make a big difference in the long term. They add up to really helping or hurting the way people perceive you and this is very important if you're just starting out and if you're actually trying to become a professional from being an amateur after 10 years or however long that's when you actually have to start caring about this stuff you can't just like be very you can't just be flippant and like blase if Another comic is around you and somebody happens to speak about that other comic in your peripheral vision and like you don't really know them that well or maybe you don't even really like them. Don't fucking say that. Don't say you don't like somebody. It's <laughs> Just be like if somebody says, oh, have you heard of this guy? Just And they're standing right there. Just be like, 
Yeah, yeah, fuck yeah, I've seen them around, yeah. That's it, that's all you have to say. You don't have to be like, yeah, I fucking love that guy. No, just say yes, of course. Yeah, yeah, of course I know that person. You might not even know their name and whatever, that's fine. But don't say like, oh no, I don't know that, I don't fucking know that person. Don't do that. (laughs) That's the worst thing you could do to a comic is tell them that you've never heard of them. Don't do that. Even if it's true, it's a very confrontational thing to say. It's a very rude thing to say to somebody, even if you don't know them. Because I, you'll, they will remember you now. They will always remember you as the asshole that thinks they're too good to remember people. So yeah, don't do that. People have done that to me, and now I fucking that's all I think about whenever I see them. Like, oh, you're the guy who thinks you're better than everybody. Okay. That's gonna see all that works out for you in the long term, because when you do start to get success, ooh man, those people are definitely gonna remember that you were an asshole to them, even if it was a very minor thing at the time. They will definitely oh my, they'll be like, holy crap, do I fucking not like you even more now? Now that you're getting some heat under your ass, that's a that's especially when you should be most sensitive to other people is when you actually are starting to get some heat. That's when you should be like, are we good? Like that's, <laughs> that's not the time to be confident. That's not the time to have an ego. Ego, it, it, you need an ego, but it has, it's really gr- bad to, to act on it all the time. If you have validation, you don't need to pull out the ego card all the time. You, you could... You, that's humbling. When you get validation, that's when your ego should recede into the back of your mind. You shouldn't have to talk about it anymore. So, I don't know, just some just little things, little tips that I'm learning the hard way kind of. But also, I have some instinct to include other people in the conversation. Don't just fucking stonewall like if a, if you're in a two-person conversation, whatever, that might be private. So that's fine to just kind of maintain, just, you know, not let other people in. But if it's a three-person conversation and and you're not an asshole and the topic isn't about, like, somebody's funeral or something, then, yeah, you should probably at least, like, give them some eye contact. If somebody's, like, hovering near the conversation, the polite thing to do is to just glance at them to show that you're open to them joining the conversation because come on that's just another thing that i run into all the fucking time because i don't i don't have a click yet not yet so often i find myself just standing alone in a comedy club just minding my own business but also i don't i wouldn't mind talking to somebody so i i hover I start to just kind of walk around and like see, okay, see if I could join this conversation. And very often I get stonewalled. People just go like completely pretend I'm invisible. It's like, okay, I I get it. You're cool, but it's not a polite thing to do. And I don't do that. I don't do that to even people I don't like. Like even if you're around somebody you don't like, you don't have to be a dick to them. It's not like just tolerate them, but don't. You don't have to fucking. <laughs> All right, that's enough on that fucking subject. 
Um, we're going to wrap. We're not going to do a very long episode. Just a couple more things to run through. So complimenting people. So I did a set last night at 12.30 a.m. or some shit like that. And I did pretty well. I was super confident and I played with the chaos that was ensuing in the room. The microphone wasn't working. So they had the comic before me do their set from the sound booth, which is not anywhere near the stage. It's in the back of the room, way in the corner. Nobody could see you. They could hear you, but whatever. It's not a podcast. I want to be seen. So I didn't do that. The mic was not, there was no microphone on stage when I was called up. So I walked past the sound booth and he was like, are you going to come here and do your set? I was like, no, I'm not going to fucking do my set from the sound booth. I'll do it on stage without a mic. That will do better than being in a sound booth where nobody can see me. So that's what I did. I just went up there and by the time I made it to the stage, somebody behind this, like, as I was going through the back part of the stage, somebody gave me a microphone. So it, it worked out pretty fucking, it worked out. I had a microphone and that was, it was a really fun, uh, improvised set. It was fully improvised. And the reason I'm talking about it for so long is because who cares? It's a, who, why are you talking about a fucking open mic set? Um, it's because Shane Gillis, uh, Mark Normand, and Ari Shafir happened to be watching at the time. I didn't really know this. I saw Ari. I saw him. I didn't know if it was really him, though, or just somebody that looked like him. But, it was, it was yeah, it was him and Shane and Mark. Uh, name drop. Three name drops in one. Um, and uh, so that was very, like, gratifying to do well and they actually fucking watched. They weren't just like talking to. They actually like watched some of it, I guess, because they said I did well. So that, like all of them said I did well. So that's like very unreal. That feels like a made up thing. Like really, sure, all three of them gave you a compliment afterwards. Like, yeah, they did because they're nice. They could recognize talent. They could see talent. So yeah, why wouldn't they say something nice? And. I took it pretty, I, I didn't, I don't know, like I, I didn't fangirl over them. Pretty much everybody else was fangirling and I don't really do that anymore. Like you could still compliment people without being a fangirl because of course I look up to these guys with the utmost possible respect you could buy. Like I look at them as comedy royalty. I've been a fan of them since you could be a fan of them. But does that mean I have to say that? Mm, not every, not not really. I mean, because I'm a comic. Like, I look at myself as I'm just co-workers. Like, I, like, they're my, not peers, but we're in the same industry. So it's not crazy to, to think that I could be one of them or someday. So, like... I didn't really change my behavior just because they were there. I didn't like act like a sycophant. I just kind of was like, oh, yeah, cool. It puts a pep in your, like, it makes you more excited. It definitely elevates the mood when there's famous people around. But, like, did I go up to them? No, not really. I kind of did after the set, but I, like not in like a desperate way. I just kind of walked to get water 
And then, I don't know, I joined the conversation. And it was very, like, organic. And uh, so that's it. I don't know. There's not much else to talk about with that. It's just like... But Shane, he was like, oh, that was funny. And I was like, yeah, 10 years in. That was, <laughs> that was my fucking response. What a fucking... That's a little bit more than neutral. That's a little bit of an arrogant thing to say to somebody like that. But I think that's actually not that bad. I think to do that shows that you're, it, it gets you, it commands respect to be like, yeah, I'm 10 years in. But then he said, yeah, that was, and then he said it again. And then I said, thank you very much. I don't know, like, because if you show that you're not a sycophant, they, people will respect you more. They will actually chase after your approval, because he'll he'll be like, "Oh, what is this guy? He's not gonna accept my compliment." So they say it again to reaffirm that, "Hey, buddy, pay attention. I'm not just some asshole. You better accept my compliment like an actual professional." I don't know. That's just how I read the situation, because he said it again, like, "Yeah, that was funny." And he looked at me, he's like, are you going to fucking say thank you, the motherfucker? <laughs> so I said, thank you. Yeah, so it was a very fun time. And like, I had real confidence that I earned from doing it for a decade. I don't even do stand-up that often, but it doesn't matter. If you're doing comedy, even offstage, in this apartment, or whatever the fuck this is, this, uh, this house that I live in, this studio that I record this podcast and I edit videos in like 10 hours a day. Yeah. You could actually maintain confidence even if you don't do stand up every day because you're doing other shit that proves that you're fucking funny and podcasting is a spoken word art. Stand up is a spoken word art. So if you exercise your voice muscles and actually get good at stringing words together, that really does translate to stand-up. But I would like to... I should do it more often to actually get to my best, best level. Because I did I did well at this four-minute open. But, like, I didn't... I could have done even... I could have done a lot better. So I'm always challenging myself to be like, no, I, I could... I, I could have done even better. But it was an extremely good feeling and it's still kind of in my bones and i haven't really told anybody you know you don't really have to tell people about it except for on this podcast because this is what this is for it's a very personal video diary type thing but you know i don't i know who to tell and who not to tell about this type of stuff because when something important happens in your career you don't want to tell the wrong person because they will just sh completely Take it away from you. You only want to tell the people who are actually going to be excited and not, you know, to hear this, not be jealous, not be like, oh, okay, good for you. Like, you know, you want to tell people that actually understand why that's a substantial milestone. Because I don't, I haven't done sets in front of famous people that very many that I could think of. Uh, anyway, so you need that validation. But once you have it, once you know you're funny, and you know you're funny, not like, oh, I can't, I guess I'm funny. No, once you absolutely know that you're funny, you don't have to, like, try. 
It just happens. You could just relax. You just like let your instincts take over. You don't really have to think about like, oh, how am I going to be funny today? No, you just are. You're just funny. And that really helps continue to do creative shit because you don't get burnt out. You just go, okay, I'm going to keep being creative. I'm not going to lose my sense of creativity. You might overnight. You might have, it might have it at some point, but that's just something I learned. And that's how you maintain confidence even at open mics. It's like, okay, I don't give a fuck. This is an open mic. I don't give a fuck. Even if I bomb, I'm still funny. Anyway, I think that's enough on that. Um, and I already ta- kind of talked about the whole, like, it's better to be fake nice than it is to be honest. If you're trying to get somewhere, like, I, there's a lot of fakery, a lot of social climbing that involves flattery i don't do that i don't flatter people for the sake of getting something out of them i say what i truly believe and then they actually take it as a compliment they they don't their bullshit detector doesn't go off because it's not bullshit it's actually coming from it's a it's a genuine compliment and i'm pretty uh I'm pretty nice to people when it comes to complimenting them because people need that. People need to know that somebody at least got what they're doing, you know? Okay, just one more topic. So I got so I'm doing a lot of content production right now besides this podcast. I also do random ideas and videos like I had this idea to film myself as I was driving to a comedy club last week, I was like, you know what? I'm just going to film myself the whole way there in one shot from my garage to the parking garage. And I did it with this camera right here. It's a new... I just, whoop, I just got this camera. It's a 360 camera, so it has these these lenses on both sides that wrap around and they capture a 360 degree view and it's fucking amazing so i guess i'll do a quick demonstration of what it looks like so not only does it capture 360 it also has this cool feature where it it doesn't pick up the selfie stick so see how it has a obnoxiously long selfie stick yeah, so as I'm filming right now, it's not capturing the selfie stick. It's only capturing what's around the selfie stick. The selfie stick always stays just out of view. So it looks invisible, and it's fucking awesome. So it looks like I have a drone just following me around. Um, so I use this as i was driving (laughs) it was hanging out the window the entire drive i had it literally this far out the window of the car so it could see a lot of shit it looked it looked fucking awesome it was also pretty dangerous so this is something i'm not going to do probably again but (laughs) unless i'm the passenger but it was fucking ridiculous, the footage that I captured from this one little idea. 
and it's going to take a little bit to edit it because you have to tell the editing software where you want the camera to be pointed to at any given time. So otherwise it just looks like a circle and it's too much detail. So you got to, so it's going to take a bit to edit it, but it's going to be probably one of the most funny pieces of content that I'm going to be, that I, that I'm going to be putting out in quite a while. So I'm excited for that. That's it. I think that's about it. I don't know. It was, it's awesome. I'm, my creativity is is at its utmost peak. Let's put see what it looks like really close to the camera. Anyway, so I'm thinking about getting Timmy Gusto to start a podcast. Um, now that I'm doing this one as me, as just regular old Tim Weichselbaum... And I'm not going to be dressing and whatever. I'm trying to get Timmy Gusto to do his own podcast. And uh, we'll see about that. He's very busy with other stuff at the moment. So maybe it might not happen. But there's something to look for. That You know, I post content every day on uh, his social medias. And it's fun. It's nice to actually get some views you know okay that was a very low boring end of the episode but uh what can i say what can i fucking say it's been a it's been a good week for me i'm uh i'm gonna be getting a lot of sex pretty soon i mean i'm not a lot but i'm probably gonna be getting sex pretty soon this is a very gross thing why would i say um I don't know. I'm very choosy about who I hit on. I don't hit on people unless... Because if you're going somewhere as a comic, you're working. You're on the clock. So I don't fucking inject myself into creepy conversation. Like, I don't try to say anything that could come off as uh, unprofessional. But that doesn't mean I'm not... That doesn't mean I have to do... I don't have to. It's not that hard to get laid if you're fucking cool. This has been episode 55 of the program. Thank you all very much for listening.